Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of, uh, the book of Luke, chapter uh, 8. We'll begin with uh, verse number uh, 40 this morning. Uh, when, I was at, uh, when I was at Goldman, uh, there, was, uh, there was always this, uh, this nice old lady. She always uh, took me in. She always uh, called me mom, and she said she had to take care of me. And there's always, every, just about every place I've gone, everywhere I've been, there's always somebody that uh, has uh, wanted to take me in and, and for uh, them to be my mama and them to, uh, to watch after me. And that just goes to show you the, the need I have of just a constant supervision or, uh, or I'll get out of hand. But anyway, I really loved her very much, but uh, she always had, uh, had this thing and she's always very attentive to, uh, to, to the sermons. And um, every time that uh, kind of one of her pet peeves was not preaching the same sermon uh, over, not doing any sort of, uh, sort of repeats. And then, of course, every uh, once in a while, I'd sort of uh, lose track, you know, of uh, what you've been, uh, been talking about because I don't really keep uh, a whole lot of records of those, uh, of those sort of things. But you'll know if I'd done a, a scripture verse or I'd done some type of message that uh, I had done within the last uh, couple of years, I'd always be there at the end of the service. I'd just be kind of standing there, and here she'd come, Miss Dot be coming. And she'd have her big 400-pound King James Bible open, and she'd have it open right to the spot. She'd have her thing and said, now you know, you know, you preached that same verse on July 15th, 1997. And it never really bothered me because, uh, you know, and I always, uh, I never let those things kind of bother me or detract me. I'm just always great when I hear those things that people are actually paying attention because I know with like most people, I could preach the same thing I preached last week and nobody would know any difference. But, uh, but anyway, and I bring that up because uh, we're going to deal with, uh, we're going to preach on a story uh, this morning, an account of, of Jesus and Jairus and the woman with the issue of, uh, of blood. And I know for certain that this is probably the third time that I have uh, preached on this, probably uh, since I've been here. And, uh, and it always seems to come up because it's really one of, uh, one of my favorites. And in each of the Gospels that presents this story, it has a different thing that kind of it wants us to, uh, to draw out. And I think what, what Luke wants us to hear this morning is he wants us to not only know about the surpassing power of Jesus, to be able to, as we've learned, to rule over the things of nature and to be the ruler over the things that are supernatural and to tell us this morning that he is Lord over all the healing and diseases. But really what he wants us to do is he wants us to hear these stories. He wants to hear how Jesus interacted with these people and understand what it really takes for us to have true faith in Jesus, that he can help us in anything that we face in life. So as we read these uh, stories and as we meet these two people this morning, I want you to think about what you're going through in your life. And I bet you everyone here falls into one or two groups. There's one group of people that is facing a difficult, seemingly insurmountable, hurtful experience in their life. There's that group. And then there's the group number two, the people that are lying. Because we all face hardships and we all face difficult times. But it's good to know this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is there with us in our times of trouble. So let's read together the book of Luke 
Let's uh, chapter eight. Let's begin with number uh, verse number forty. And let's read together. It says, "Now when Jesus uh, returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogues. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had for he had an only daughter, about twelve years old of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people passed around, pressed around him, and they were and there was a woman." who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed anymore. She came up behind him and touched him in the fringe of his garments, and immediately her discharge of blood had ceased. And Jesus said, Who is, that who is it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you are pressing on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people who she had, uh, that she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And, she said, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, "Your daughter is dead. Uh, do not be troubled. The teacher, do not trouble the teacher anymore." Uh, but Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, "Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well." And when he came to the house, he sh he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, uh, except for Peter, John, and James, and the father and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she had gone, and that she had got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, that you've given to us, Lord. And as we read these words that uh, we have before us this morning, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that they seek in our heart, that each of us are reminded this morning, Lord, of just how powerful you are. And Lord, as we think about the obstacles and the challenges that we face, Lord, let us to remember to always have faith in you. Lord, knowing that you can do all things, and Lord, that our faith and our trust in you will never subside, but yet we're always willing to put our lives and to put our families and to put our problems into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There's a couple of things that uh, he wants us to remember, so, things that he wants us to remember about our faith in Jesus and you see that we have two different people. We seemingly have two different situations, and Jesus interacted with them in two different ways. But we notice that seemingly there is some commonality. And the commonality is that Jesus worked in their life, that they came to Jesus when they finally got desperate. I want you to notice that, uh, that this Jairus, he was a ruler of the synagogue. And, uh, and there was a lot of talk about Jesus. And I know a lot of, lot of people there in his, his, uh, 
his fellow rulers of fellow synagogues and all the Pharisees and all the Sadducees, and they were all talking about Jesus, and some had a, a negative opinion about him, some have a positive opinion about him, and uh, I imagine some of them were a little bit skeptical about Jesus, and he may not want it to have anything to do with Jesus whatsoever, but things changed. Things changed. You see, Jairus had a daughter, and this daughter was an only child. And I know a lot of, uh, a lot of you men who, uh, who have daughters, it's a lot of different with them daughters, isn't it? Them daughters are bringing some different things. You know, them boys, you know, you'll just uh, rough them up and uh, you'll want them to be strong. They'll fall down and uh, they'll start crying and you tell them to, to suck it up. They ask for something, you tell them to go out in the field and go you make you some money and pay for it. But them daughters, they're a little bit different, aren't they? We interact with them daughters a little bit differently. They're, they're close to your heart. And not only was it a father in reacting to a daughter, but it was also a father having an only child. And you should just imagine how close to the heart, how much of a treasured possession it was for him. And now he had this daughter who was sick. And I'm sure he would call the physician, and the physician would come up, and the physician would say that there's nothing we could do in this situation. And she was just steadily dying. And all of a sudden, Jairus got to the point where he didn't care. He got to the point where he was desperate, where he didn't really care no more. His daughter was dying. His only child was dying. And he heard about this Jesus. And he heard about some of the miracles that he'd done, and he thought, maybe this Jesus can help me. And so he went, this proud ruler of the Jews, this proud person who was always standing before the church, and he would have royal garments on, uh, this proud person of the church that everybody would walk and speak reverently to, this person of the church who would always be standing up while everybody else was kneeling down. He got desperate, and so he came to Jesus, and he bowed before Jesus desperate and said, Lord, help me. My daughter is dying. Jesus really starts to work in our life when we get desperate. When we come to the realization that Jesus is the only person that can help us out. When we get to the point where we've exhausted all other options. When we face situations that nobody else can help us with. We run to Jesus. And isn't it great to know that Jesus is there before us? Jesus didn't ask a bunch of questions. Jesus didn't give him the run around. But in his moment of desperation, when he got to the point where he bowed down before Jesus and said, Jesus, help me. Jesus responded to him. And he got up and he walked with him. When we want Jesus to work in our lives, we have to get to a point where we realize that Jesus is the only one who can help us. You know, Jesus in life, in uh, God's creation, uh, he's created medicine and he's created all these, these things uh, that we can do that can help us. But all those things come from what are created and they all come from God. We don't a lot of times uh, recognize God in those works. A lot of times we don't recognize and give God the glory for the, for the miracle of medicine or really for the miracle that he has created our bodies to, uh, to the point where they'll just uh, heal themselves in some cases. You know, you get a cut, 
uh, you know, when you're shaving in the morning or whatever, you know, there, our bodies were created to eventually where if you just give it a little time and put a little, little something on there, it'll heal itself. And he has created just a magic, uh, just a magical, great order of creation in our bodies and created all things around us that provide healings in our life. And we don't, we don't give God the honor. We don't give God the glory. And a lot of those physicians and a lot of those people who do all kind of technical things will just stand up and talk about how smart they are and all what they're doing and how they don't need God when God is the one who created all those things. But you know what? Eventually we get to the point where those doctors can't help, where our human understanding can't help, when we finally get to that point, we understand that we need Jesus. And so what I want us to understand is that whatever we're facing this morning, we need to know that the first person, not the last person, we need to bring it to is Jesus. And when we call upon Jesus, he responds. And when he said, Jesus, come with me, I need your help. Jesus got up, and he followed him. Then we meet this, this woman, this woman with an issue of blood. And while we see that this, uh, while this uh, Jairus, he was really more of, a, of an extrovert, you know, this woman was a little bit more of an introvert. And you see how Jairus, he went boldly right before Jesus in front of, front of everybody, and, and made out his demands, made out his request before Jesus. Here was this woman with, with an issue of blood, and she was very, very timid. And, and you could tell that because of this issue, she didn't really want to be around people. She didn't really want to talk about it. She didn't really want to, want to do those things. And she had tried with all these uh, physicians, and she'd been to everybody, and she had spent all of her life savings all of her life savings on trying to get relief from this issue, but she couldn't. And so she finally got desperate. And so here was this person who, uh, who, who didn't really want to be in the crowd, who didn't really want to talk about what was going on in her life, who said, look, I've got to get help. I've got to get relief from this problem that's facing me. And I hear this Jesus, he's passing through town, and I've heard the stories about the miracles. I've heard the stories about the things that he's done. Maybe this Jesus can help me. And she believes so much about this Jesus and how he, and how he could help her that she said, you know what? All I've got to do is all i got to do is just stick to this crowd, and if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be well. She got desperate enough that she overcome her fears and her anxieties. And when she went and she touched the hem of his robe, Jesus healed her. It says they were passing through a crowd. And this crowd was so dense that they were crushed so much, it just about killed them. That they could really hardly move. You know, it's kind of like the back door of a Baptist church at 12 o'clock. I mean, just everybody pressing, trying to get out. And, um, and so there's all these, these people all around. And then here comes this woman and touches the hem of the robe. And she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And Peter looked at him and said, look, Lord, there's like 100 people around you. Are you going to ask who touched you? Everybody's touching you. What Jesus wants us to know is that even though that we may seem 
like we're lost in a sea of faces. That Jesus may not have time for our problem because he's busy. He's busy with this big crowd, and he's busy with, we got Jairus. We're walking with Jairus, and we're trying to work with his issue. And then there's this person with this issue. The Lord don't have time for me. Jesus doesn't have time for me. But isn't it great to know that because Jesus is who he is, he can care for each and every one of us. We don't have to stand and wait in line. We don't have to wait our turn. We don't have to worry about our prayers feeling that we're getting drowned out. We don't have to worry about our issue being prioritized and it being too low on the list. Jesus can respond to all of us. All he's waiting for us is to get to the point where we say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you're the only one that can help me. Jesus, I know that you have the power to heal me, to fix me, to work in this situation. God works in our lives when we get desperate enough to call upon him for help. Jesus also works in our lives when we get serious enough about our problems to when we're really admitting and talking about these problems. We talk about this woman and how she wanted to be pretty quiet about this. And when we talk about this, this woman and this issue, a lot of people don't like talk about it, don't want to talk about these things because it makes people uncomfortable. And there's a lot of things that we face in our life that we don't want to talk about. And a lot of times we'll do like this woman, we'll suffer in silence because we don't want to talk about what we're facing because it's too personal or we don't want to admit that we've made a mistake or we are worried about what people will think about us. But I want us to know, notice something about what Jesus did in this particular situation. So when this woman, and so she was facing a, a, a very personal problem, and, and she was wanting to be all quiet about it and, and not drawing any attention to herself. And so she goes up and touches the hem of, uh, of the garment, and uh, she's healed, so everything's good, everything's fine. You know, she's healed. Uh, we, we should just roll on about ourselves. But I want us to notice what Jesus did here. He asked uh, who touched him because he felt the power had gone out of him. And Peter was like, look, we don't, we don't know who touched you. And then he kept inquiring. And the woman understood that Jesus knew that, that, he had, that she had touched him. And I want us to know what, notice what Jesus uh, said to here. He said uh, in verse number 47, it says, When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Jesus went out of his way to have this woman to sit in front of everybody and voice what her problem was. I think that's something for us to remember, especially in our society today where we try to keep our problems to ourselves. And a lot of people will incur themselves a lot of pain because they don't feel like there's anyone that they can talk about their problems. 
And I want us to tell us and I want us to understand that that's Satan's number one lie because Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants to put voices in our ear to say, hey, you need to keep that on the down low. Nobody's going to understand you. Everybody's going to make fun of you. There's no help for you. Stay away from those people. Stay away from the church. Stay away from the people that can help you. This woman didn't really want to talk about her problem. But Jesus went out of her way to let her know and to let us know that true healing comes when we get to the point where we're willing to talk and admit about the struggles that we face. A lot of us, you know, we'll come to church and uh, we, we'll put on a show because we want everybody to know, we want everybody to think that everybody's fine. But we never stop to think, you know, it's like, uh, but I know like deep down in my heart, you know, I got, I got things going on. I got, I got family issues. I got, I got this. I got this struggle. And, I, and you kind of get this point, well, I, I don't want to talk about those things. I don't want to express those things because uh, everybody else is doing fine, right? Everybody else is good. Nobody else has got no problem. And, and we know that that's not true because we're all human, and we all face difficult situations, and we all face struggles. But Satan has got us to a point where we don't want to talk about those things. We don't want to be real with one another, and, and we don't want to express those things. But Jesus wants us to know the power and the healing that comes when we are willing to admit our problems. And it's when we start to express those things is when Jesus can really start to work in our lives. And if we're all honest with each other, and if we all have the grace of Jesus Christ, there's nobody, there's no problem you wouldn't make fun of because we all face struggles. And so he went out of his way to let us know that Jesus really works in our lives when we're willing to admit that we have struggles. But then he wants to show us something else. So here's Jesus and Jairus. They're on the way to the issue. And then here comes these people. These people have come from the house. And they say, look, they say, look, uh, your daughter is dead. And what does it say after there? Your daughter is dead. Don't bother, notice the phrase, the teacher anymore. And so here was this person that said, hey, you know, maybe when she was sick, maybe he could have, maybe he could have done something. When, when she was a little ill, maybe he could have done something. But you know what? Now she's dead. And so his assumption is that Jesus was now out of the realm of help in this situation. And sometimes we'll get to that point in our lives. Sometimes we'll think we're so messed up. I've gone so far. This issue is too big. This is sort of out of the range of what Jesus can do for me in my life. I am beyond help. And people will come and speak those words of doubt in your heart and life. People say that you're beyond help. People say that Jesus can't fix this. People will say you're too far gone. This is too big of a problem. And they'll come speak all of these words of doubt in your life. But what was Jesus responding to them? Don't listen to that fool. That's basically the New Living Translation of that. Don't listen to that fool. He said, 
Don't doubt. Only believe and your daughter will be well. Don't doubt. Only believe. Your daughter will be well. See, Jesus by coming was an act of promise that he was going to do something in this young girl's life. And all these people around him were trying to get them to believe that Jesus couldn't do it. But what Jesus was saying here, say, look, I promised I was going to do it. Just have faith, knowing I'm going to do it. Let's have faith in knowing that nothing that we face in our life is beyond the Lord's help. That Jesus is all-powerful, as we've seen these last few weeks. And there's nothing, and there's no one, there's no situation that Jesus cannot help. If only we have faith. And so we finally get to the house, and um, he only lets a few go in. Peter, James, and John, kind of like the, uh, the, the pillars there of the group of disciples. So we've got Peter, James, and John, and we've got the mother and the father, and we're all going to go in the room, and Jesus is getting ready to, uh, to do this healing. And as he's trying to work, and as he's trying to talk, man, there's all these people who are outside, and they're already wailing and moaning. They've already really started the funeral, and they're all crying. And Jesus kind of looks and shouts out the window, and says, look, y'all, y'all be quiet. Y'all be quiet. And he says, like, do not weep, for she is not dead, but only asleep. And then everybody just kind of laughs at Jesus. Because why? What does it say? Because they all knew that she was dead. You see, if you follow Jesus Christ, if you come on this life of faith, you have to change your perspective. And a part of changing your perspective is you got to change some of your vocabulary. you got to change some of the words that you use. Listen to what it said. Everybody's saying, hey, that she's dead, but Jesus said that she is asleep. And everybody laughed because in their perspective that she was dead. And once she is dead, it's over. There's nothing else you can do. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, no, she's not dead, but she is asleep. And Jesus doesn't use the word sleep in order for us to feel better. You know, there's a lot of things in life that we can't handle. Or you may be talking to a child about something that's heavy that you know that they can't handle. You know, maybe, uh, maybe their dog, you know, their favorite dog got, got run over. And, um, and so they, they come home, and uh, you just know how heartbroken they're going to be to begin with. And, uh, and you would just hate to, uh, to tell them the truth that, uh, hey, the neighbor that lived next to us ran over your dog and didn't really care all that much about it. So you change the words, you change the story to make them feel better. You'll say what? Well, your dog uh, ran away. We'll say something to blunt the truth because we know that they can't handle the reality. But when Jesus said that your daughter, that she's asleep, he was making a theological statement. He was using a word and a term 
that Paul would use in his writing and a word that a lot of times that we use because we know and we understand that death is not the end. That he understood and was trying to get us to know that there is eternity. That when the person dies, an earthly death, that body may be uh, empty, but the soul lives on. And that soul and that life is still under the care and still under the power of Jesus. And so it was nothing, nothing for Jesus to be able to bring her back. When we come to know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, it changes the way that we think about the world. We know that this world isn't all that there is. We know that an eternity to wait, that awaits us, that this is just a phase. This is just a temporal time that will one day pass away, but so much more and so much greatness lies beyond this time. And so even while the world still thinks that death marks the end, we as believers know that it does not. So everybody, we kick all, out all the unbelievers and all the people who, uh, who don't have faith. And that's what you gotta, gotta do sometimes in life, right? You gotta, you gotta put the haters out. You know, you gotta put those people who are, who are dragging down your faith, buddy. You gotta, you gotta put them outside and only let those people who have faith remain in your circle. And so Jesus spoke to the child and spoke to her words that I'm sure all of you who have children speak every morning of school. And that is, little child, wake up. And so the child arises. And all the child asked for, as we read in other accounts, was some light. And children being children, they're all the same. Even in Jesus' time, they asked for some light and a snack. Jesus said, give her a little food. And they were all astonished because they thought it was over. Even as he went and pleaded for Jesus to come and heal his daughter, he was astonished at the level of power that Jesus could do. And isn't that, that the same way for us? Is that even when we ask Jesus for help, for us in our times of trouble, we're always astonished at the power and how he's able to work in our life. Jesus always does, as the scripture could say in Ephesians, more than all we could ask or think. Then he tells them something that's very, very, very strange. He says, tell no one what I've done for you. Tell nobody what has happened. Well, good luck with that. Why did Jesus tell this family to not tell anyone about this healing? Jesus did this several times in his ministry when he would do a healing in people's lives. He said, tell them not to tell anyone what I did for you. And the key lies for us, I think, in something very interesting. 
Because the word that we translate in these, uh, these verses about being healed or about being made well can also be rendered that this would make you whole, would make you complete. You see, in the Old Testament, when you talked about the law, wholeness was a very central term because it in turn that uh, if you had a blemish on your body, if you had issues with blood, if you had sickness, if you had spots, then you were unable to come into the temple. You were unable to come to the time of worship. You were unable to participate in the great assemblies that existed into the temple until such time as you were made well. In such time as you were made whole. So many people, if they heard Jesus' story, they would really want Jesus to come and heal this and then heal that, all these physical infirmities, and they would truly miss what Jesus came to do. And that is through his work on the cross, he has made us whole. He has healed us of the disease of sin and allows us to enter into the presence of God. You see, we have a lot of physical troubles in our, in our lives. We have a lot of problems, and we have a lot of people that give us problems. But our greatest need, our greatest sickness lies in our sin. And the greatest area to which we need our healing is the healing of our souls. But we know this morning, if we get desperate and to realize we can't fix ourselves, if we get to the point where we're willing to confess our sins, if we get to the point that we're willing to put aside all those people who tell us to doubt and to tell us that Jesus can't do it, do it, he will make us whole. Jesus has power over all creation. He has power over all the supernatural. He has power to heal all sickness and disease. But most importantly, Jesus, through his work on the cross, has power to heal your soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us. And Lord, I pray during this time that as we think about that, as each and every one here, various problems flood through our mind, Lord, they receive the assurance that, yeah, I can help with that too. And that they trust you and they give it over to you. But Lord, most importantly, Lord, we search our soul to ask ourselves the question, have you healed us of the greatest disease to which we face? And that is our sin. Lord, I pray we come to you desperately. We come to you desperately, Lord, with our problems and with our hurts, with our questions. Lord, all those things, knowing that you hear us and will respond to us this morning.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let us sing. 320, turn to.